The story of Job is a powerful story of a man who lost it all and hit rock bottom. When tragedy after tragedy plagues Job's life, how did he respond? What did he do? Did he walk away from God, or did he continue to love and serve God even though he had lost it all? From this story comes a powerful question. Can a man love God for no earthly reason? Listen to the Word of God speak. But today's question is a penetrating question. It is a question that probably out of all the questions that we will look at, is one that digs deep into our hearts and into our souls. Because it's a question that is not necessarily opposite of one that we ask all the time, but it is different than one that we ask and the rest of the world ask. And so turning your Bibles to Job chapter 1, and the question that we're dealing with comes from verse 9. Job chapter 1, verse 9, but let's read verses 1 through 9. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also, his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the east. And his sons would go and feast in their houses, each on his appointed day, and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was, when the days of feasting had run their course, that Job would send and sanctify them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the, and the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Does Job fear God for nothing? And so, taking off of that question, the title of our message today is, Can Man... Love God for no earthly reason. Can man love God for no earthly reason? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the challenge that we uh, receive from it, the conviction 
the stirring of our hearts and our minds. We pray, God, today that you would speak to us through your word, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. The story of Job is the story of a man who had it all. The story of Job is the story of a man who lost it all. And we read about that in these first few verses, in this first chapter of the book of Job. We also read that he was a man who possessed both great wealth and godly character. In fact, the Bible tells us there in verse 3 that he was the greatest among people of the East, which, which could refer to the wealth that he possessed, but I think it referred to the wealth that he possessed and his godly character because it seems as though the Scripture was saying that that was rare. For someone to have the wealth that he had and still possess godly character. And this is why he is being singled out. And and, and by the way, this is the man, the type of man that arrested the attention of the devil. This is the type of man that got Satan's attention. Many are familiar with the story of Job. Those who are not are probably at least familiar with a phrase that we often say about Job. We talk about the patience of Job. And that comes from the incredible story that we read in reference to his life and how we observe his behavior in the worst imaginable circumstances possible. Now before we dive in and begin to grapple with this question, let me just tell you what the first chapter of Job does. One of the things that it does is it totally obliterates the theology of the health and wealth gospel. You may not be familiar with that, but that is the gospel that's preached by many uh, televangelists on, on television who simply say this, if you will trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you'll make Him first in your life, you are guaranteed to be healthy and wealthy and wise, which is one of the great lies of Satan. And the first chapter of Job totally does away with the theology of the health and wealth gospel. I'll tell you what else the first chapter does. It avoids the answer to the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Pretty prevalent question, even among the Christian community. At first glance, when you read this book of the Bible, you might assume that it's going to answer the question, why bad things happen to good people? And though Job does ask this question, why is this happening to me? The Bible in in this book does not answer that question. Out of all the books in the Bible that you think might address it, you might think it would be the book of Job. Let me tell you where that question comes from. Why do bad things happen to good people? It comes from... Well, it, ha- it comes from people who have developed an entitlement mentality as if we don't deserve anything bad to happen to us. 
And here's what we learn in reference to that in these first few verses. Righteous character does not ensure bad things will not happen. The Bible tells us right off the one, he's a righteous, a blameless man, and he's fixing to lose it all. Righteous character does not ensure bad things will not happen to us. Worldly wealth does not ensure that bad things will not happen to us. And get this, religious activity, meaningful worship, does not ensure bad things will not happen to us. There in we see him going to God in worship at the altar on behalf of his children. So we have a righteous and blameless man, a man of great possessions, of great wealth, and of godly character, and bad things are about to happen. So while the book doesn't necessarily give us, this this book doesn't necessarily give us the answer to the question why bad things happen to good people, it does assure us that they will. But here's the question of the hour that Satan asked God about Job. Does Job fear God for nothing, for no reason at all? And so we're asking the same question in a different way this morning. Can a man, can a woman continue loving God for no earthly reason? And that question challenges our motives. And that's the first thing I want you to notice here in the Scriptures, that that type of question challenges our motives. There in um, verses 9 through 11. So Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now, sometimes when we become familiar with our Bibles, we read through these passages and just keep going. But did you see what just happened? There was a council meeting in heaven. Angels are gathered around the Lord. And Satan comes to the meeting. And at the meeting, he begins to talk about Job. And what he does with this question, he challenges Job's motives for serving and loving God. Is accusing Job of having ulterior motives for loving God and for serving God. He is saying to God... He only serves you. He only loves you. He only lives for you because of the earthly things that you have done for Him. Because you have put a hedge of protection around Him and because you have given Him the wealth that, that, that no man can 
compared to. If you take all that away, God, and here's Satan's prediction. Satan's prediction about Job is that his motives are wrong and that he will curse God to his face. The truth of the matter is, as sincere believers, those who are sincere believers will often question their motives just to do a gut check, right? To make sure that we're doing the things that we're doing and we're saying the things that we're saying for the right reasons. And so from time to time, we ourselves will question our motives. But we get real defensive when someone else questions our motives. We don't like for other people to question our motives, especially in reference to our religious life or our religious activity. So this was very personal. This was going deep into the heart of the life of Job by questioning and challenging his motives. I remember a story, the Old Testament book of 1 Kings, about wise... King Solomon, wisest man to ever live. There was an incident in 1 Kings chapter 3 where these two women came to King Solomon with a baby. What had happened was both of these women had a baby on the same night. And on that night, one of the women rolled over on their baby and slept on that baby and that baby died. In the middle of the night, that woman took her dead baby and exchanged it for the live baby. And the woman woke up and she found that her baby was dead. And the Bible says she took a closer look and it was not her baby. And so she goes to this woman and tries to get her baby back and is not successful. So they come to the king. And you may remember this story. As they present the baby to the king and they tell this story... King Solomon says, we'll cut the baby in half. And you can have half the baby, and she can have half the baby. And of course, what happens is, the real mama says, absolutely not. The real mama cares about the life of this baby, the health of this baby, and wants this baby to grow and mature and become an adult, no matter who raises it. And so she's willing to give it up. But the Bible says that the other woman responds differently. She says, absolutely, cut it in half. That way neither one of us will have anything. I share that story with you in reference to motives because here's what we have. One wanted the baby to live and be healthy. The other wanted the baby cut in half. One was motivated by love and the other was motivated by selfishness. Not only selfishness, but what she could take away from the other person. And so when we look at this question, and we are challenged by it, and we understand that it's a challenge to our motives. Can a man or woman love God for no earthly reason? Then we have to ask ourselves those personal questions. Why are you here this morning? Have you come to this place this morning? What are you wanting out of this? What are you expecting God to give you? And if you don't get it, are you going to quit? That's the motive question. That's 
the that's the you say well, that's tough. That's 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 a hard question, preacher. Well, that's the tough question that is based on the question Satan asked of God about Job. Here's another way for us to ask it and for it to kind of pierce our hearts. What am I getting out of this? What's in it for me? And if I don't get what I want, and if I don't get what I expect, can I just pack up and go home? Yeah, you can, but you don't have to. Because we're going to see that the answer to the question is, you can continue to love and serve God whether you have anything of earthly value or not. It's a question of motive in terms of how we love God and why we love and serve God. Do we only love and serve God because of all of the things that He's given us here on this earth? You see, everything Job had is about to be taken away. And he was going to have to decide whether or not he was going to continue loving and serving God for no earthly reason. For no other reason except the fact that he is God. Secondly, not only does it challenge our motives, it tests our faith. So beginning in verse 12, it says, And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Verse 13, Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabians raided them and took them away, indeed they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Now, listen to this next phrase. While he was still speaking, and we're going to read that again in a minute, while he was still speaking, and that tells us the domino effect of these bad things that were happening one right after the other in his life. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire... God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels, and took them away, yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell on the young people, and they are dead, and I alone have escaped to tell you. So, everything is being taken away. And so not, not, he, he's not like us. He's, he's not sitting there with everything that he has having to answer this question. He's sitting there with it all taken away, having to answer the question, am I going to continue to serve God? Am I going to continue to love God and live for God with all of this happening? It's easy for us to read through these verses quickly, but the truth of the matter is many people in our world today would not make it past verse 15. Verse 15 is the first tragedy, the first trauma that takes place in his life, which is an economic disaster. He's having much of his wealth 
taken away from him. There are many in our world today that would give up then at the first sign of economic disaster. What we have is tragedy, which brings about trauma in his life after tragedy after tragedy. Those same children that in verse 5 he is praying for, that he is making sacrifices for to God, whom he is going to God and calling their name before him, have died. That'll test your faith. God, I pray for my children. Now they're dead. I asked you, God, to protect them. I asked you, God, to take care of them. And now they're dead. That'll test your faith. And so as everything go away, we find Job and his faith being tested. This man who was already identified as a God-fearing man, was being put to the test. Remember what Satan had predicted about Job? That his faith was going to fail and that he was going to curse God. And I'll tell you this, if his motivation had been wrong, his faith would have failed immediately. Let me tell you something this morning. If your motivation for being here is wrong, if your motivation for living for God is wrong, if it's all about what you can get out of it, and it's, it's selfish, and your motivation is wrong, when your faith is tested, you are going to crumble. But Satan did not. I mean, uh, Job did not. He didn't crumble under this pressure. The question for us as we look at this before we read the next few verses is, could he continue on? Could he keep loving God? No more money, no more wealth, no more children. Going from being the greatest man in the East to having the least. Could he go on? Would Job hold true or not? You see, for many, if you take away their prosperity and you take away their health and you take away their family, There goes their religion, or there goes their faith. This is what Satan was trying to do to Job. And this is what he tries to do to many. In fact, Job is not the only one in the Bible that we hear Satan ask God for. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus is talking with Peter. And he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you that he might sift you as wheat. And when that sifting comes, and when that test comes our way, the question is, will we continue to love God? We're studying the book of James on Sunday nights over in Bridger, and it reminded me of a passage that we've already preached on, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 3. It says, My brethren, he's talking to the believers, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Some of us in this room this morning have lost much. There's no doubt that in a crowd this size, there's, you've had, some of you have had some tragic loss in your life. 
Some of you have fought many battles and some of you are fighting battles right now. Some of you have faced greater challenges than you ever thought you would face. Those of you who have not had great loss, those of you who have not fought many battles yet or experienced many challenges, let me assure you, they will come. That's what the Bible promises. And that's what we find in the life of Job. Your faith, if it has not already, your faith will be put to the test. It'll be tested. James verifies that. The life of Job verifies that. The question is, when it is, will we continue to love and serve God, even having been tested? I could tell you about a pastor friend of mine. I could tell you many stories about the testing of people's faith, including my own. Tell you the story about a pastor friend of mine who had taken a church away from his hometown and uh, was on his way back to that area. And his son had just graduated from high school and gotten a job. And on his way, uh, within that first week to the job, he was killed in an automobile accident. I can tell you about a friend of mine who, whose pastor stole his wife. And then he began to question everything that he knew about pastors and churches and religion. And, and I called while he was recovering in the hospital after having tried to commit suicide. I can tell you story after story after story where bad things happen, motives are challenged, and faith is tested. Such is life. That's the way it is. The question is not whether or not it's going to happen. It's really a matter of when and when it happens. The question is the question of the hour. Will you continue to love God for no earthly reason other than the fact that He is God? That's a tough question. It's a hard question, but it's a real question. And then the last thing I want you to notice is that this question magnifies our testimony of God's amazing grace. It challenges our motives. It tests our faith. But it also provides opportunity for us to demonstrate the testimony of God's amazing grace. There in verse 20, the Bible says, Then Job arose... He tore his robe and shaved his head and he fell to the ground and he worshiped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And the Bible says, In all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. When you look at this and understand what has happened in his life and know that there are people watching, right? The rest of the book is about some friends who don't always act like friends, but some friends that begin to dialogue with the people who are watching what's happening in the life of the greatest man in the East. And here we have an opportunity for him to magnify the amazing grace of God in the midst of suffering and tragedy. 
What's the answer? The Bible gives us the answer to the question. Can man love God for no earthly reason? Can, can he be stripped of everything and still love God? The Bible says he did not curse God nor sin or blame God during the midst of this. In fact, notice Job's response. It's an amazing response. In fact, this is one of those passages I like to preach on when it comes to worship. Because in our churches today, uh, many think that worship is all about hip, hip, hooray. Right? It should be a. This should be like a pep rally. We should we should be able to to uh, just explode in excitement, and I'm good with that. But that's not the only occasion for worship. Job lost it all, and he's not having a pep rally. But he is worshiping God. His first response to losing it all is worship. He falls down on his face in grief, sorrow, sadness. He's, he's human. He's experiencing every emotion that you would and I would. But he's still worshiping God. Still praising God. And then he says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. You know what he's saying? I can still love God for no earthly reason. I can bring anything into this world. I'm not taking anything out. I can still love God. You can love God for no earthly reason. But that, that causes us to check our motives. And it tests our faith. He says the Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. He, he didn't say right away, God, I'm such a good person. Why are you happy to me? I was blameless. Why are all these bad things happening to me? Right? We, this is the question that permeates society in America today. But that's not the question. The question is, when it happens, will we still love God and still serve God? The ability to magnify the testimony of amazing grace. Do you, do you know how powerful is the testimony of God's people when His amazing grace is on display in the difficult times. When we're not kicking the can with our head down and saying to me, I've been good to God. Man, I've been given to the church all my life. I've been telling people about Jesus. I've been working hard in the church, doing all these good things, and now, now I'm suffering. That's not a testimony of God's amazing grace, is it? But when we demonstrate the opposite, and that is love for God, even when we're hurting, passion for His work, even when I'm losing, because He is God and He is worthy of our love, our attention, our praise, regardless of what on earth is happening regardless of what on earth we have or regardless of what on earth we don't have. This was no longer about any kind of benefit that he might receive from his relationship with God. This was simply about him and God. This was where the rubber meets the road. 
getting down to the bottom line. Another faithful response from Job is found in Job 13.15. He says this, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. You know what Job is saying? And he's, he's standing in his integrity still. That's what that verse is talking about. He's still standing in his integrity, knowing that he's you know, lived his life for the Lord the way he has. But he says, even in the midst of this, if God kills me, if God takes me out, I will still live for Him until that day. That's a lot different than the Americanized version of the gospel that we hear over and over and over again. Job is proof that a man can love God for no earthly reason. As you get into chapter 2, Satan comes back to God. That dialogue once again. And in verse 4 it says, So Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand, but spares life. And the rest of the story, we have Job being inflicted with painful boils all over his flesh, and he is taking pieces of pottery and scraping, trying because of his health and his pain and his problems. And so now we've gone beyond him losing everything to inflicting his very person. And yet we know by the end of the book, he has still remained faithful. One person said our question that we're dealing with here, they said about this question, our question for today cuts to the heart of genuine faith. The issue is whether God deserves to be worshipped because of the greatness of His character or must He buy His worship with gifts and promise of blessing. Must we receive something earthly from God to love Him, worship Him, and follow Him? You, you do understand that in the New Testament, there were people who followed Jesus for what He could do for them, but had no desire to be a disciple. So as I read this question and I grapple with this question in my own life, I have to ask myself, why do I do the things that I do? If bad things happen to me, will I keep going? If yourself in his position, I mean, if you went bankrupt and all your children died and you were inflicted with a painful disease, would you keep going? Would you still trust him? Would you still love Him? Or do you love Him and trust Him just because of the way He's blessed you? Because of the things that you've received from Him in this lifetime? 
Why do bad things happen to good people? I think there's some answers that Scripture gives us along the way. But I don't think that's the real question. The Bible simply teaches that they do, and they will. Who are any of us to think that we should be exempt from bad things? That's what that question sounds like, right? I mean, who, who are we to think nothing bad should ever happen? And then, let me close with this thought. I can't help but ask myself if I'm even the type of person that Satan would ask for. I'm going to tell you, that's the way I want to live my life. I want to be the man that when God has his angels gathered, Satan steps in and says, that that fellow named Lee, I want him. I'm not asking for trouble. I, I, I don't, I'm not asking for that. I'm just telling you, I want to be that kind of man. We're the type of people that have got Satan stirred up, that are worthy of his attention and his effort. There's a story in the Bible about the seven sons of Sceva. If you've read that story, it's a story about the sorcerer and his seven sons, and uh, they have been watching Paul cast out demons. And so, on the action, they try to figure out how to do it, and so they mimic Paul. They uh, they come upon a demon possessed man, and they begin to say the same things Paul was saying. They say, "We cast you out in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches." And those demons turn around and look at those seven sons of Sceva, and this is what they say. They say, Paul, we know. We know him. Jesus, we know. But who are you? I submit to you this morning that every one of us ought to be known in hell. Thank you for listening to the Word of God Speak, the sermon podcast of Pastor Lee Murray. We hope that you were blessed by today's episode.